0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guest today is Brandon Victor Dixon who is just this incredibly uh, passionate individual. If you don't know him from any of the major roles that he's done, and I won't get into them now because obviously you can read show notes or I get into the intro with him in a second, but just the love and the passion for arts in general and the way that arts can heal and the way that arts art can change people, it, he he is the embodiment of this, and that's what got him into the theater and into performing in the first place so obviously we talk about um originating lots of roles including a brand new role inside a brand new musical macgyver the musical the cast album itself drops on january 27th so um you got a little bit until it comes out if you're listening as this episode drops but it's just fun it's so tongue-in-cheek and the the Dad jokes galore in the lyrics, which of course, if you know me at all, I love them. So find me online, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, drop me a line, hit me up with your stories, let me know you're listening, and now everybody please enjoy this episode with Brandon Victor Dixon. three Today's guest is an actor, singer, advocate, and theatrical producer known for Tony Award nominated Broadway performances such as Harpo in the 2005 musical The Color Purple, and U.B. Blake in Shuffle Along, and you know, Barry Gordy Jr. in Motown the musical back in 2013. And uh, Motown actually earned a nomination for Grammy Award for Best Musical Theater Album. Then in 2016... Our guest assumed the role of Aaron Burr in the Broadway company of Hamilton. As a producer, his credits include Broadway revivals of Hedwig and the Angry Inch and Of Mice and Men. The former won the 2014 Tony Award and the Drama Desk Award for Best Revival of a Musical. In 2018, he portrayed Judas in NBC's live concert version of Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice's rock opera Jesus Christ Superstar for, of course, which for for which, of course, I'm doing great so far. which he. received a Primetime Emmy Award nomination. Brandon Victor Dixon, welcome to The Theatre Podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be here. Dude, you've been uh, you've been busy. And obviously, like, you don't stop. Last time you and I talked, I think, actually, we were doing something for um, for vote writers. You know, uh, uh, we are the vote, right, to, yes, in yes. 2020 and whatnot. So it's been a hot minute since you and I had talked. But I guess that's a really good place to start because, like, you're known for theater and, and whatnot. But I think outside of that, many people listening may not know about, like, the advocacy work that you do. So, like, this is all part of the We Are Foundation, which you created, right? Uh, yes, yes. Um, the,
0: the advocacy work is, I mean, the We Are Foundation is an extension of the advocacy work that I I have, you know, tried to involve myself in. Both directly through the kinds of projects that I I choose and then, I mean, both indirectly through the kinds of projects I choose and then directly uh, through initiatives that surround them. And really, it's just about taking the philosophy of, uh, you know, for me, it's my belief that art is the most exponentially transformative uh, element in our culture, you know, uh, uh, a song, Mm. a play. Uh, a book can change a moment, can change uh, a generation and we have so many examples of that throughout history and so you know I the goal uh, in the, what I do and, and in the works we try to engage in and partner with people uh, through the We Are Foundation is to use uh, art to bridge the gaps uh, between us as communities because you know art is 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 the thing that can transcend culture, can shan- transcend difference, can transcend uh, language, can can transcend everything. It synthesizes, it's a synthesis of the humanities.
1: Where, where did this, I guess, the need of the realization come from to, to do something about this? Because uh, it's something that I have said uh, throughout all the interviews that that took place during COVID while Broadway was shut down, was basically like, we need to get Broadway back um, it, it, because art art can heal, art can help, art can allow people to connect in a way that they are not comfortable with or they're not familiar with but to actually sit down and start an organization and partner with people and you've gone all the way up to like talking to the vice president and you like it worked right so where did all this come from and and i guess why do you make time for this in the middle of all the other tv and film and producing that you've got going on and and of course theater work Oh, I I
0: think all of this is just about uh, basic uh, s- social and and human empathy and human decency. And I think I look, I I come from uh, both a family and an a- educational environment that made community service uh, an important part of uh, of our education and of our development. My mother is, um, you know. Uh, a very empathetic individual and has always been a very giving person um and i think i've always tried to carry that forward and for me you know i have i have personally been very privileged in many ways that have that have uh, developed me to be able to navigate spaces and navigate certain prejudices and conditions uh in certain ways that that others have been less fortunate in, in dealing with right and so for me uh when i see that that it increases my desire to advocate for others who may not have been able to uh, navigate certain spaces the way i have been um because i've had certain supports or may not have been able to uh avoid certain spaces and and and, and move into others uh in the way that i have and so then my that that's where all of that comes from.
1: That's that's actually really really brilliant and really self aware in a way that I think a lot of people, no matter where you come from, just kind of don't have. So I think it's it's respectable and it, and obviously I think this is sort of um, a taught. It's a it's a learned behavior that sounds like it came from your you said your family structure right. So you you made community service part of the. Part of the whole uh, family vibe, right?
0: Yes, it's definitely,
1: sure. Part of it is
0: learned, but I also think, I think, I think part of it is innate. And this is something that we talk about in, in our work. You know, there are a lot of times when I think about social challenges, um, I try to, uh, if I can get past my initial uh, uh, anger or etc. I try to think about what are the conditions that are making it difficult for people to be kind. Because at our core, the majority of us are kind and want to help each other and want to live in harmony with one another. In in the uh, occurrence of crisis, uh, natural disasters, you know, somebody slips from the ledge or they, they fall into the water, you reach for the person. You're not thinking about what who do they believe in or what color are they or what... It, Nine, 90% of the time, you're reaching, your instinct is to save. And so I, I try to think, what it, what are the conditions that we put each other under that make it so hard for us to make that kind of choice, to choose to save in the little moments day to day? know those, those, those are, I think that's how I think about it. So I, I some of it is learned because, yes, we find ourselves in environments that breed that out of us breathe that instinct out of us, uh, teach us not to see uh, the place for that instinct in certain people. Um, But I do think at our core, it is innate within us. And so the goal then becomes to unlock that in people who have
1: lost it. That's really interesting. And I I thank you for the explanation. Does that... Translate into the type of projects that that you personally get involved with um, professionally, like in terms of, of roles that you're taking or the shows that you want to uh, give your time to. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, both in terms of
0: the messages that the shows communicate, but also in terms of uh, the lens. Hopefully, that the shows can create. Because um, you know the thing that one of the things we have to remember about art it's not only um supposed to be uh, a vessel in which we can see ourselves it's it's actually primarily a vessel supposed to be a vessel in which we can see each other Uh, and and so i think that that is that is something that we have to remember so i like to do projects that can Create the window for different people to see themselves in different uh, cultures, in in different individuals. You know, somebody who looks different than me, but having the same experience. You want to? I want to choose roles and choose uh, projects that can make people feel differently about what they think they know.
1: So back up then to little Brandon. When you're say, maybe singing and dancing as, as a kid, right? What happened? Was there something that happened? Was there a moment? Was there a show that, that turned everything on its head for you when you were like, this is, this is what I want to do and now I know how to do it? Or was it just kind of following a, 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 an unknown sort of calling, for lack of a better word? Um, I,
0: I knew it's the thing. It's what the one thing I've known, I think, most centrally about myself since I was a very young kid, that this is how I wanted to be living my life. Um, I did know that. But fortunately, I was in an environment in my elementary school. You know, we had a music class every day. We performed three musicals a year. Um, and I had a wonderful music hmm. teacher, uh, Mrs. Worth, who actually passed in November of this past year. And, you know, she she taught me piano and she, you know, she just really took an interest in me. And so she would choose plays and choose things. And she'd be like, I'm thinking about doing this. Do you think you can memorize all of this? Do you think, you know, and she she really, um, really supported me and educated me, you know, gave me tools. Uh, So I think that that's uh, that's really a large part of 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 where it developed for me. and a lot of my education is experiential. so you know I, I performed a lot, like I said, we did the shows, and then as, as I went to high school, I was at a predominantly athletic and academically oriented school, so I had to seek out opportunities. you know I would perform at the girls' high school when they would do their production. Um, eventually, we had a um uh, uh, somebody come in named Frankie Tacker. And another interview with Richard Dorton who kind of transformed our high school program. Um, so then they became, you know, real mentors of mine as well. Um, but it, it, hmm. it's the performing and in trying to really, when I was younger, trying to learn how to, you memorize the lines, but also, uh, I, I, you're working with both Interested and disinterested peers in elementary and junior high school, right? So, uh, (laughs) you know, you are. Right. So you are kind of, how do you keep the show aloft? And when people make mistakes, how do you keep it going? Early on, I was doing that sort of stuff and paying attention to the audience. And so as I got older and I've always been very philosophical, you know, for me, it always it, it started to become about, okay. there's there's an exchange happening between my, uh, myself and the audience. There's an exchange happening between us and the audience. Then we're using these tools, these words, these sounds, these music to create this level of energy exchange. So what is that about? And what are the tools that can make that most effective? Um, and how can we use this exchange to, at the end of this experience, to have come out better than we were before, right? So as, I, as I've gotten older, then it's that stuff, th- those kinds of thoughts have expanded and so that's how I think about choosing a role and, and choosing a, a a piece and also you know the pieces choose me they come to me in my life at certain periods of time that I have to learn a lesson um, and I have something to experience in real time in that show that gives the show something and gives me something and then then I leave when I'm done with that so somebody else can come in and do the same thing and I can see it at my next stage but I think it, so. It's, it's been a gradual thing that has happened
1: you went to Columbia University, and and then immediately after Columbia, right? Am I reading this right? That you joined the national tour of the Lion King as Simba? Was that that was right after? Yeah, it was just before. So it was I left school after my first semester of senior year. Left school. So did, did you finish? You didn't finish school because you went
0: on tour? No, I did. So I did tour for a year, and then I came back to the city, um, and I finished school while I was doing the color purple
1: We're gonna take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. So you're going to this, like one of the best universities, arguably, uh, for this in, in the world or the country. And then you have to pause your graduation pause your senior year to go on a national tour, come back, finish school and then originate a role on Broadway for which you get a Tony. Right. Nomination. Are you coming out? Tony nomination. Sorry, yes, yes. Sorry. Tony nomination. So you come out and you're going on the stuff and you're like this is my life, this is my career. I'm getting shot out and and it, it, ha, at what point are you like wait a second, this isn't normal? I mean cuz like some people will go decades after school and not get the opportunities you got before even graduating?
0: Well, I don't know when I, when I, when I thought, if I ever thought this is not normal, because it is always what I, I, I've thought about doing It's how I've always, it's what I've always wanted to be doing. And I, it's, it's why I went to school in New York. It's why I started auditioning my sophomore year is because I didn't want to uh, graduate and then have to be figuring out how to live and have time to audition and like you know I didn't want to be I was aware of that challenge so you know so this is all fairly purposeful mind you I was very aware of how fortunate I was but you know I got on the tour and I wasn't even the youngest person in the cast so you know so it's also it's like okay well this <laughs> there are people who do who are doing this you know it's, uh, it, it, so um, but I mean look maybe I, it was such a challenge, my audition process. I sh- I should not have been cast. <laughs> my, my,
1: <laughs> wow. when I was, hold on, I gotta hear that story afterwards. <laughs>
0: and then even doing this show was just very a challenging process. I was very lucky, the, su- the supportive creative team and cast that I had. Um, it's both to date the most challenging and tra- most triumphant professional experience of my career.
1: So hold on back up. Why do you think you shouldn't have been cast?
0: Because my audition process, I mean, look, my first audition uh, for Mark Brandon, I, I went in because I was very I was I was 50 50 on singing Endless Night, getting through it without cracking 50 50. And so I auditioned. <laughs> I sang it the first time and it, and it came out and he was like, great. Gave me some notes, did it again. I cracked. And he was like, it's OK. You know, most people can't even get through it. So let's he was like he gave me some notes. He's like, you know, go keep working on it. We'll see you in a few months. Um and then I, I came in at the end it was a 10 a.m. audition which is cruel cool for Simba it's a cruel time to to make anybody <laughs> audition for Simba yeah. and yeah. I remember I woke up I woke up at I, uh six in the morning uh, I went like I ran four miles started, I run my warm my voice up it was raining like and I went down to that audition and it was the the musical supervisor Colin and Jeff Lee and uh, Aubrey Lynch and everybody and sing I was singing first was getting to the last portion of the song crack. Couldn't get through it. He was like, oh, it's okay. Just start over. Try it again. Crack. Couldn't get through it. Musical supervisor gets up, moves the accompanist out of the way. He's just like, just come over to the piano and just sing it with me. Couldn't get through the song. Couldn't get through the song. They were like, don't worry about it. Let's just do the scenes. Did the scenes. They were like, okay, um, you know, don't worry about, you know, and we're going to see you tomorrow. I got a call that night from one of the producers who I had known from before. And he was like, hey, when things go wrong, don't freak out. Just you stay calm. It's just an opportunity to try again. Everybody wants you to succeed. Remember. Uh, the next day I came in and I sang wonderfully. And they were like, what happened? And I was like, you know, I just, I just told myself to just shut up and calm down and sing. And they were like, okay, oh, great.
1: <laughs> um,
0: you know, we, uh, and then and then they're like, okay, well, you know, we're going to see you in a couple of months when Julie comes to town and we'll have the and so for the, and they were like, you know, we want you to continue to work on, we want you in dance classes so that you can, you know, just get better at your dancing and we want you getting more flexible. We want you to keep working on the scenes in the song." So then, for the next four or five months, I was running four miles a day. I was in yoga twice a week. I was doing Bikram yoga twice a week. I was I was just doing everything. I was on a different diet plan, and and then I went and I had the audition and I sounded good. I was not great, but I sounded good and I did the whole thing. And then I didn't hear from them for a week. Uh, but then I got cast. Um, but you know, but it, but the, the thing that that did to me is that when I went into it, I knew I could do it but i didn't know that i could count on it sometimes i did it and sometimes i didn't so i was i, I had anxiety and i was nervous so then when i was in the audition the rehearsal process and stuff cuz now i'm in front of everybody and everybody's like okay well who's sim and this is the first time i had always performed for fun and i it had always been come easy to me this is the first time i had ever had any challenges and now i had to do it and i'm the lead of a multi-million dollar production and i left school and i'm in chicago and i'm alone and and <laughs> and and i'm and and i can't i'm not in a room by myself i'm in a big ass room with 50 people and i'm got a, and i'm cracking and i've never cried so much in my life man those months oh it was hard it was hard at one point they got me a voice teacher so i was working with him at one point they they were like look we we're going to take endless night down a half a step don't feel bad that we're doing a half a step down on Broadway. It's not a big deal. And I was like, I didn't know that was possible. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I was like, I didn't know they changed keys. I didn't know any of that stuff. I thought they were rehearsing Simbas in secret. Like, cause I was like, there's no way they're going to let me go on. Like, I was like, it was just, it was a very torturous
1: time for me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So what did you do to deal with that? Because I feel like it's a circular sort of, uh, uh, of cycle where because you're feeling anxious and scared, it makes you more tight and, exactly. and allows you less flexibility exactly. to, to loosen up and hit those notes. That is exactly what happened, which is
0: why as we got into previews, they were like, we're going to take the song down and have a sip because you're worrying about it and you're worrying about it. It's starting to affect all the other stuff that you're doing. And we don't want you to do that um so they did that and then we opened previews down a half a step and like julie and lebo and all the the writers came into town and they were like we had a big like there was like a, i saw it on the schedule there was like a meeting brandon and everybody 30 names and so i was like i'm in a room with all the execs and they were like you know we loved it yesterday but like We really, you sound great. You're singing the notes on other songs. So why don't we try it up again? And we just want you to relax and enjoy it. And so I sang it with Lebo and I sounded great. And he was like, you sound great. Like, let's just, let's try it tonight. And I was like, okay, So they moved it back up. They moved the key back up. I sounded great that night. The next night I sounded good. The night after that, I sounded okay. The night after that, I started, I sounded shaky and we were going to open in two days. And so like I had, they had another meeting with me. I cracked one night. And so they had a meeting with me the next day and he was just like, it was just with the director. And he was like, it's up to you. What do you want to do? We just want to do what makes you comfortable, but we need to change it tonight because they need to have the charts consistent. So, and I was like, move it down a half a step because clearly I know I can do it, but I'm, I'm, I don't trust. And, and he was like, let's do that. So they moved it down. We opened. um, And then a month later they came back into town and I had been working with the, the the voice teacher but the key was that sometimes when i worked with him he'd forget to transpose the song and i would sing it i would sound fine
1: just forget air quote forget
0: maybe it's that you know but he would be like oh i forgot to and Mm -hmm. i was like oh and he's like because it's mental he's like it's mental for you when you know it you 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 get tight and when you don't and so they came back into town they were like you sound great we think we want to try it back up again and i said okay look but don't tell me when you do it just you switch the key, but don't tell me. And they said, okay. And then they changed it. Yeah, obviously, every show that night, I was like, it feels high. It feels high.
1: But they changed it. <laughs> they changed it on a Thursday uh, it night. It feels high tonight. <laughs> they
0: changed it on a Thursday night, and I sang it. And I sounded great. And the whole cast gave this huge cheer backstage for me. They were so supportive. Um, and I never had a problem with it ever again.
1: Wow. Well, long, lo- long, I long, your- long story. <laughs> I love, no, I love that. I absolutely love that. And I hope everybody listening takes that, takes, can walk away with that lesson. And it, it was, it's kind of the first time I've ever heard of like, um, uh, of a recurring theme of people that you think, you know, they're doing it at the, at the highest level, right? I, I say this all the time. Broadway is the Olympics of theater. It is This is theater performing at its highest level, biggest budget, biggest mm-hmm. audience. And the people who are there, you're, you're doing they're doing it eight times a week, and they're making it seem fresh every single time. Like there's a there's a level of skill and a level of talent that obviously not everyone is an Olympian and can't be. Mm-hmm. And th- to understand, that everybody also has anxiety and aches and pains, and uh, Patty yeah. Murren, of course, like talked famously about having panic attacks in the middle of shows, and Desi Oakley, I talked to her about the exact same thing. She's in the middle of doing uh, Carol King, right, and mm-hmm. uh, and just having panic attacks because all of a sudden it's just her and the audience, and like if she messes up, there's millions of dollars riding on this, so it's all mental. So like for that mental game, do you do? Do you do meditation? Do you do like what kind of work do you do on yourself to keep your keep your head in that level?
0: Yeah. Meditation is a is long being a, a big part of my uh, my practical uh, theater practice. Um, and in fact, I, you know, um, my sophomore year of college, I, I my mother is a very spiritual person. She meditates and uh, she got me into meditation and she she went she went to an ashram upstate and I went with her. She was doing a, in a meditation intensive and i just went to just kind of observe uh but felicia rashad was there and so i, I spoke to felicia rashad just happened me. to be there she just happened to be there and she yeah, was yeah, sitting yeah. on a, a like a sitting on like a a, a lounge chair in the part in the cor- courtyard and so i just i went up to her and i introduced myself and i said you know i'm just wondering does the meditation help you in performance and she said have you done the intensive? And I said, no, I'm just here to observe. And she said, do the intensive and then come talk to me. And the intensive is you wake up mm. and you start meditating from six in the morning until noon. And then it's meditation and chanting. And then you have lunch till three and then you meditate and chant until from three until nine p.m. Again, in this like dark room with a couple of hundred, like a of people. And wow. so I went and I did it that day. And very interesting experience for me. And the next day we were leaving, but I went to go find her. And she was with a bunch of like people go- getting us off to some interviews. And I grabbed her and I just said, you know, Mr. Rashad, I, uh, I did the uh, Mr. Shad, you know, and she said, oh, did you do the intensive? And I said, yes. And she said, OK, did your mind get quiet? And I said, yes. And she said, that is where you create from. That is the space. Get it? And I said, wow, got it. And she said, good. And then she was gone. I don't know that I really understood what she said, but <laughs> but I had an idea and I carried that idea forward. And so for me, what I would do is for my roles, with with The Lion King, it was very much about my, my center. And like, I would sit down in my room in the morning before my run and I would light the candle and I would set the sheet music out in front of me and I would meditate on Being calm and visualize myself singing it successfully, because when I first learned meditation, it was when I was I was in uh, elementary school and junior high playing soccer and I would get anxiety playing soccer and I would fall and trip and like and I it was like and so in the mornings before games, I would visualize myself performing well doing well and I found it it helped. I would do better. So like I just kept doing it's one of those things I stumbled upon because my fear I had to calm myself down before a game. And so like I would just try and do something. So that's how it happened. So I kept doing that with performance. It was like that's how Lion King happened. I would do that. And then carrying it forward it became about meditating um, and focusing on the material, the the research that I did. And so then I would meditate on the characters before rehearsal or before performance, kind um, to commune with Ray Charles before I performed as Ray Charles, trying to commune with the spirits that uh, Alice Walker channeled when she wrote The Color Purple, trying to, you know, th- that is that's that's how that stuff kind of developed. For me. And so I continued hmm. to. My practice, my meditation practice became more refined and then became more about me personally as well as professionally. But it really began about meditating on the characters and and the research I had done and the spirit of the characters to try to synthesize something within myself.
1: We're gonna take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. Well, this all sounds very, very serious, very focused, and, and um, I, I'm trying to to make an appropriate segue into MacGyver the musical here because yes. MacGyver is so is so tongue in cheek <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, like it's it's funny because you're working um, with Lee Wilkins, who is the uh, the original creator of MacGyver the series from you know from the late '80s, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so it's like you're a tool, I am a tool for change, right? Like the lyrics here are are a little tongue in cheek. It's making fun of itself, oh, yeah, like who absolutely. needs a MacGyver the musical? Oh, wait a second, this is why they're doing it. So. I want to shift into that real quick because it sounds like you've got a very serious process for these very serious shows and this material that that needs to pull from these these strange places and then like on the flip side you don't want to take comedy not seriously. Comedy still has to be seriously serious, but when you're doing something like MacGyver, like where do, where do you start with that process and actually tell us about I, you're the character in there because you've got a fun song where you've got, I think it's a German accent, right? Yeah, if we're being,
0: if we're, we're being generous, let's just call it just an Eastern European accent. Let's, let's,
1: okay, let's okay. give it, give, give me a catch-all. Um,
0: give <laughs> me uh, a catch-all.
1: And,
0: and, and yes, you know, my, the, the, the song that I'm singing is a, is an ode to the wonders of beer. That MacGyver and and, and his allies, because at this point his allies are, are a punk rock band. You know, we offer to the soldiers who haven't been told of this invasion plan that we've concocted, so that the soldiers <laughs> that's will be they'll be too drunk story. to to counter the attack that's coming. I mean, th- the thing is, yes, my my there is a there is a process that I developed uh, earlier on and that I've honed over time. But you know, my process my process adapts to the shows that that I'm doing right each show starts to require different sets of skills um and uh and it's also like it's that old like Will Smith thing like after he did Ali and he was going back to do Men in Black 2 and like you know he was talking to the director But so what's my motivation and the, and the guy was like just be funny do do your he's <laughs> like that's not we're not this is an Ali do what this is <laughs> and so I think be, you know be
1: Will Smith be Will Smith,
0: <laughs> be Will Smith. And so like when yeah. you, so, so there are, cause there are some, some, some shows that yeah, you, that I do, they're, they're about the technical performance or some of them about channeling and some of them are about, some of them are about performance. You know, I, there's, it's a blend of the character and a blend of me that is required for the show, right? So, so that everything requires its own, its own, uh, its own mechanism. Um, for, for performance and adaptation. And so MacGyver, MacGyver is, it's, part of the thing is I have a love not just of, you know, kind of acting and, and performance in theater, but of theater as a device for community and for entertainment in general, you know? And so MacGyver very much fits in there as an immersive piece of theater. And I love um, MacGyver and the MacGyver ethos. I grew up watching MacGyver with my father mm-hmm. as a kid, you know, um, and, you you know the uh, MacGyver is also so universal. You know, the, you know the show is obviously it's been across the globe in syndication for years. But you know, just one of those things. Like I remember as a kid, like just across. And I'm the kind of person who is in different circles of people. I was, I you know, did different groups of friends, girls, guys, the, uh, different races, and because. And like everybody knew what it meant to MacGyver something, you know. Every like we <laughs> yes. all you can
1: use it as a verb, you <laughs> use it as a verb or a noun. We yeah,
0: all know. So a love of that, a love of that that philosophy of that Lee and Richard Dean uh, kind of propagated. Uh, you know, he doesn't have guns. He he uses his mind and his engineering and his capabilities to find a way to help people. He's always out there helping people, and so. To take the show uh, concept like MacGyver and to find a way to take something that we love culturally that has all that positive value, and find a way to make it a successful storytelling vehicle in theater. That's that's the thing. Like we're gonna come to theater, so how can it be positive and successful here? Doing it immersively and coming up with the you know the clever hook that anyone can be MacGyver, uh, you know, because that's the hook of the show that you know you kind of like before the show starts you find out that the actor playing MacGyver you know something's happened and they can't make it to the show so but the show must go on so you know and uh, three or four volunteers from the audience we're gonna have somebody's got to play MacGyver and there's like a 10 that's what
1: I was gonna yeah that's what I was gonna ask about next because the MacGyver role is always chosen from the audience how does that even work because Number one, that's awesome. Number two, I need to be first in line. <laughs>
0: well, you know, you, you, that, that's the thing. And you know, when when they first told me about the idea for the show, I thought it was very clever. You know, oh, uh, I thought I thought it was a great idea, and you just have to be very clever in how you structure this show so that you can make that work. Um, and 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 what and what ends up happening is that yes, you know, you you get three or four. You up, the cast will choose three or four volunteers right before the show, and you'll act a line, sing a line, and dance up dance something, and the audience by applause will choose who gets to be macgyver that night and so there have been macgyvers of all genders and ages ranging from like 18 to 85. like it's 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 crazy
1: and it's cool that is so much fun and how much is it is it all improv improvisation or like no dragging so around with it with something in your ear you, you structure the
0: show so you structure the show in a way that the the acting ensemble can create the scenarios that lead the actor to lead the the volunteer actor to to each piece of it so that's so that's how you do it
1: um i need to be on uh, in this somehow this is like my <laughs> life goal because i love macgyver do, do, and do, theater do, 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 <laughs> i know when we were kids growing up so it's always like do, 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 quick get your gum and your paper clip <laughs> and your duct tape we're going to use this bomb exactly Right. Right. I love it. And I mean, there's a whole love song in here called, with the lyric, like you macgyver my heart. I'm, I'm, come on. Come you, on, you your soul. Come on. come on. It knows what it's, do- it's- <laughs> <laughs> it knows what it's doing. Okay. So going back then you got, you got MacGyver, you've got, you've originated, uh, many roles. And then you've also gone into these machines, right? Like Hamilton and Moulin Rouge. So especially if you're something like, like Hamilton that has, such a, a, a presence on television now and internationally with all the tours and all the permanent residencies and all these cities and whatnot, right? Like people go in and they're like, I have an expectation of what Aaron Burr needs to sound like. So is, is that a different type of pressure? How do you approach follow, falling into the machine of a show like that versus originating something?
0: Um, I don't worry about that so much, actually. Like, and I and I did though. You know, when I was first going into Hamilton, I I did. Uh, and and I've never, generally speaking, I don't I don't like to replace in shows. I like to try and originate roles, and I don't try to. I don't like to go back to things I've already done. Generally speaking, I've done it. Um, and and but but, you know, I was already finding that when I initially started to listen to Hamilton when I was considering doing it that I. I was already making different choices, but I'm also there's no shame in my game. If the right choice has been made, <laughs> I'm taking it. So I, I, I was I was jacking all of Leslie's stuff. I jacked all of Leslie's stuff. But then I I I have natural performance impulses of my own because Leslie and I are are different. Uh, you are different artists, you know. So we express ourselves a little differently. Um, so I was naturally doing different things with it but also you know on the album there's one version of how leslie did it and i'm sure he did it any number of ways over the course of the 365 days that he did the show and i found that for me the richness of the material it was so fertile that i i could be so many different birds and still go through the show and manifest the narrative i could be an arrogant burr i could be uh, a damaged and broken burr i could be sad burr i could be boisterous burr you know I, I i could i could i could be burr who loves and just trying to be friends with hamilton and just it, he this guy just won't fucking act right <laughs> it's like, or, or i could be the Burr who hates him from the beginning you know it's like so it, it's i was able to i was able to to kind of experience all of that um and so find all of those different colors because the work was that rich
1: I love that that approach, and in uh, some of the advice that I've heard over the years, that I that still comes back is is you can only be the best you, right? If you're trying to be somebody else, you're never going to be them. Yeah, you yeah. Don't try to be them. Be the best you you can be, right? And embrace what makes you different. Absolutely. And and I I love that advice for um, for swings, understudies, standbys, alternates, uh, and and even now we'll add replacements to that list too, right? Because everybody. You, Make strong choices. Everybody needs to make the choices that make you good and make you unique. And at the end of the day, right, you wouldn't be standing there in that role if you didn't deserve it. That's that's my takeaway. I want to pound in everyone's head. Understand the
0: show and understand how your character operates within the context of the show. And then do you bring the bring the skills and bring the qualities that you have to 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 operate
1: those mechanisms, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Do you still go on, uh, or do you do do things to stay off of autopilot? Or is there any point when you're like, man, life is just, life is hard. I gotta think about doing my taxes now.
0: No, look, there's a reason why I have, I've never done a show longer than a year and three months. Uh, You know, it's like when I'm done I leave because I don't want to go on autopilot. That won't serve the show and that won't serve me. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there are, I I usually don't have to do anything to prevent myself from going on autopilot. It's a, you know, vacation. You take a vacation and that'll buy you another couple of months. And then it's like, all right, let's, let's, let's make room for somebody else to come in and have the experience they're supposed to have here.
1: That's nice. And do you have a favorite role that you've originated over the years? Because you've got such a wide range of, of shows that you've touched right now. Is there something that, that you look back on that has... I'll, I'll put uh, some context around this. A favorite role in the context of it taught you more about yourself and made you a better person personally?
0: You know, I think the role that has probably had that impact... Uh, that kind of impact on me the most is probably it's probably Haywood Patterson in the Scottsboro Boys. Um, Hmm. uh, I think the nature of the show, uh, it you know, it's story, what it's about, and also how it's structured really impacted me um, in my development as an actor. You know, it's a very the, the show for anybody who doesn't know. It's ba- it's it's written by Candor and Ebb. Uh, it was directed by Susan Stroman and written by Tommy Thompson. Um, and it is uh, about a real court case about these nine black boys who were falsely accused of uh, raping two white prostitutes in Scottsboro, Alabama, in nineteen oh nine. And you know, they were falsely imprisoned, and you know. The, the, all ended up having very bad fates, and they were ages 13 to 19. Um, but Kander and Ever wrote this really ingenious musical that told the story of the Scotch War Boys as a minstrel show, which is v- which is kind of a very subversive way to tell uh, a story, and to particularly tell a story like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, the unique construction of this show. Uh, the ensemble nature of the show and how it's written and the camaraderie of the boys and the the end men and the interlocutor telling this story about, which it's not a story about race. It's a story about the power of the truth and the power of a lie. That's what the story is about, but it's this is the vehicle they use to tell this story. Um, Both the experience of manifesting that kind of theater was special for me. Reflecting on it in light of the conversations we have now about how we make theater and who makes theater, um, the nature of it being that group of, of individuals as a creative team who decided they wanted to tell their story based on these characters and this story that had happened in history. And they're managing to do it with such uh, integrity and excellence, despite it not being you could say people would argue it's not their primary culture or something necessarily. It's proved that we in different places can still tell stories about e cells and each ourselves and each other. If we do it right. And we have the ability. Um, but uh, you know, but also as a performer having to manifest such raw emotions eight times a week in an intimate theater, that's the vineyard theater is 99 seats. And after mm-hmm. after your, what do you do after your initial month of just the 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 harsh drama of the material you're in is what pulls the emotion out of you. So then, what when that well is going dry? Where does that come from? And then, if it's not coming in the same way, what do you do about that? And do you judge yourself over that, or you know, what does that mean? So, so you know, it's that process as an actor and working through what that is and realizing it's not about reenacting the same thing you did every night it's about just existing honestly in the space you're in in that time and it's not about showing them something it's about letting them see you and that is where the honest responses and the emotional exchange will actually come from and then not being able to do the show when it went to broadway because i had another show that i was offered and i chose that show instead and then that show fell fell through and so then that show went forward and i didn't get to do it on broadway and having any deal with what that meant and the down period of not having any shows and not, not knowing what was going to happen next. But then after Motown getting asked to go do it in London and being older and having to return to this older, this younger role and finding a way to manifest what was such a, an impactful in, a performance before, how do you find your way back to that again? Can you be as good and, and impactful as you were before? And what is, What does that mean? And, you know, that, so it's probably been the role that has had the kind of impact that your question, your focus. Oh,
1: that's really interesting. That's very cool. All right. So the three standard questions I normally ask to wrap up the episodes, uh, start with the very first one of just what motivates you.
0: Um, What motivates me uh, is, is the capacity to, change people with the kind of, with, with the power of art. So if I, if, if I can get involved in the right project, with the
1: right collaborators, there is there is so much we can do. Hmm. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path?
0: Lean into failure. Lean into fear. Lean into chaos. There is time enough to fail and try again. There's time enough to succeed and invest and then decide that that's not what you want to be doing anymore and make a pivot. Don't let the fear of making the wrong choice prevent you from trying the path.
1: And that's keep well going. Fed. All right, last question. Hardest one. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? uh. Uh. Uh
0: uh. Uh uh. uh ah uh, 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 <laughs> look down
1: name is Robin Lame is who am six <laughs> I love that. All right. Make sure to stream the world premiere album of MacGyver, the musical. It comes out uh, on Friday, January 27th. So you got a little bit of time to prepare after this episode drops on the 17th. So get ready. My gosh, it's it's so much fun. Where can we find you online? Uh, at Brandon V. Dixon on all platforms. Thank you. You can get more of me at the theaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram, theater, theater. I'm on Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. I don't know what I'm doing on any of them because I suck at the socials. But hey, it's out there. Leave a rating, leave a review wherever you are listening. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And Brandon, thank you so much. This has been a really, really interesting conversation.
0: I'm, I'm glad. Hope it Hope it serves the audience.
1: Take
0: a deep breath make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of Meister Music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work